Customer experience. It's what sets some of the best companies apart from the rest, yet can often be hard to achieve. Tune in monthly as we uncover the secrets behind great customer experience. This is Experience Better, the CX Podcast. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Experience Better, the CX Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Thompson, Senior Partner Relationship Manager at Kubra. Improving CX doesn't just happen in a vacuum because there's no one-size-fits-all answer for what customers prefer or how they behave. You might think you know what's best for customers, but how can you truly be sure without going straight to the source? That's why we're talking with Schmidt Market Research about the role customer research plays in improving customer experiences at top-performing companies. Joining us on the podcast today is Michael Everhart, Vice President, and Rebecca DeFazio, Senior Research Manager at Schmidt Market Research. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So before we get started, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what Schmidt does and and what it is that you do. Sure. Uh, Schmidt Market Research is a a Pittsburgh-based firm. Uh, We've been in business for 35 years. And our primary focus has been on working with clients on customized primary research uh, to really understand what's going on with our customers or the market, understanding the need. And then what we do is we design the research and execute it and making sure that it's aligning to the objectives they're hoping to accomplish. We do that in uh, a variety of industries, financial services, utilities, and consumer retail are our three primary verticals, but you know, we work with clients across a spectrum of industries. So you touched on the idea of the voice of the customer. And what exactly does that mean and why is it important to organizations today? So from my perspective, voice of the customer really involves getting the voice or feedback from customers in your critical business decision making. And that could be whether you're going into a new market or you're trying to service uh, existing customers and making sure that they are happy with your services and that they are loyal to you. So that's really what voice of the customer from a customer experience perspective means. And I would just, oh, I'm sorry, Scott. I would just add to that, that in addition to, you know, kind of bringing the voice of the customer in, it also is about making the organization focused on the customer. And you need that level of buy-in from the various stakeholders to really Um, get them to focus on improving the customer experience. And so the voice of the customer, not only is it the the research and, you know, obtaining that feedback, it's also um, distributing it across the organization and making sure that um, people buy into that, you know, their feedback. So, yeah, I mean, you make a great point about focus and, you know, days gone by sticking your finger into the breeze or the old school crystal ball method, Uh, are obviously things of the past based on the prevalence and access to technology these days. So what type of customer experience initiatives do organizations typically engage with you on? Uh, I can, I can answer that. So, you know, it it really does cover uh, a broad spectrum. There are clients out there who look to understand customer relationships from a strategic perspective. So looking holistically to understand the initial engagement what services and products they are using, 
how well we are meeting those needs on those those different uh, touch points. But there are also clients out there who are really looking more transaction based. So, for example, in the financial services, if they went into a branch, how well did that branch interaction go? Uh, from a utility perspective, if they called into customer service, how well did that, that transaction go? Have you had a positive or negative experience with that utility? Those are the types of research that we see most often. Yeah, and I would also um, say that um, a lot of the customer experience work is sort of focused around what that ideal customer looks like. And so really understanding you know, who your customers are and, and what they look like um, in terms of, you know, personas and their journey and what it's like for them to go through, um, you know, the process of buying your product or making these decisions um, and really understanding and getting into the mind of the customer. Yeah. And to that point, so it's not just customer satisfaction or customer experience research. It could take a broader strategic perspective on segmenting your customer base or the market to really understand attitudes and behaviors in the market so that you understand you can figure out what types of customers are out there what their unique needs are and then you can market or tailor your services to those various segments so you made a, a something you know a comment about the ideal customer that i want to sort of key in on and in terms of how to identify that sort of ideal customer. I mean, we hear about focus groups and customer surveys and you see those and hear those things sort of thrown around and we all get those surveys. Uh, what other forms can research take? There's obviously got to be more to it than just those sort of access points to, to customer information and customer preferences and, and to, to get to that ideal customer, if you will. So you're absolutely right. Those are the primary ways. And that's also, um, you know, a lot of what we do at Schmidt. But the voice of the customer isn't just going out and asking your customers through a focus group or a survey. Um, it also includes things like social media listening, um, you know, reading reviews and, you know, mining the Internet for various places where you're being talked about. Um, that's a that's a huge area as well. Um, so there's just a lot of different ways outside of primary research that you can kind of get that feedback from your customer. Um, but in terms of primary research, you know, you really hit on it, um, surveys um, for more validation type of research where you have some hypotheses formed um, and you want to validate those assumptions and kind of get the scope. Uh, qualitative like focus groups or in-depth interviews. Um, there's so many different ways to do qualitative work, you know, ethnographies, things like that. Those are more exploratory in nature for when you're really still trying to understand you know, the customer, um, the issue, um, and you don't only really have your hypotheses formed just yet. Yeah, but we also see, um, to, to bolt on to what Rebecca just said, a lot of our clients are building um, what we call insight communities, which would be a closed group of your customers. So they could be your advocates. Uh, I like to call it a souped up advisory board. And those could be anywhere from a few hundred customers to thousands of customers where you impanel them. They agree to participate in research uh, on your behalf. So they know that you're coming to them and asking them for their opinion and feedback. That could be on a new service that they may be thinking of offering. It could be on advertising or media effectiveness. 
It could be a new service model that you're asking about, a name of a new product. So these are types of engagements that would be fielded on an insight community where you go out and you talk to your customers, say, hey, what do you think about this? And the nice thing about that is you get feedback in a matter of a couple of days. So what would have taken six to eight weeks in the past to gather information on uh, from your customers can now be done within two weeks. And you will have information that will help you to inform your business decisions around those topics. So that's a pretty wide spectrum, Michael, you listed there of mm-hmm. you know, levers that you employ. And I would imagine the customers you engage with have a, a different degree of sophistication in what they're looking to achieve in terms of market research, or is it something that you go in uh, with a predetermined template or do they sort of provide you with a lot of options? I mean, uh, how do you decide what type of research approach to take on these projects and what levers do you pull in order to sort of balance what they're looking for versus what you're, uh, you know, in terms of industry expertise, uh, in terms of helping them bring that information to bear? And and again, what levers would you pull? Yeah, and it truly does cover the gamut. And it does depend on the level of sophistication our clients have in terms of having a research or a client insights department. Uh, Some of them get very, very, um, formalized in when they ask for uh, feedback from partners, they will script out or provide an RFP that you respond directly to. Other times you get a random email and you're kind of guessing on what they're looking for. And then there are other times where they will keep it um, kind of obtuse and they will ask for best thinking or as a thought leader, what would your recommendation be? So, and sometimes we'll do both. We will give them what they propose according to spec, but then we'll also give them optional scope to consider or say, you may want to think about doing this. For example, I just got an RFP on a wealth study looking at the high net worth and trying to measure brand. So yeah, I can address that and give them traditional brand funnel metrics. But I could also propose to them, you may want to get some attitude and behavioral data in there to do some type of clustering or segmentation so you understand the various segments that exist in that market space. So when you understand that, you will know how to market to them. Right, right. Yeah, and you know, a lot of companies, they don't know what they don't know and obviously rely on you to sort of fill in those blanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would add um, to what Michael said is that it, it all comes down to why. So why are we doing the research? How are we going to use it? What decisions are going to be made? Um, You know, what's really driving the need for it is really what may indicate how we go about it. Um, If we don't really have a solid reason for why we're doing it and how the information will be used, um, that just starts us off on the wrong foot. So we really push our clients in um, to really understand what is the reason. Well, how are we going to use this information? What is the business objective? And then from there, we can decide the right approach. Do we need to do more exploratory research? Is it quantitative in nature? Um, Who do we want to talk to? And how do we want to talk to them? And about what? Perfect. So we have a lot of listeners who join us from the utility space. And and maybe you can help us sort of connect the dots on, you know, a lot of the theory that you've talked about here in terms of, of what real world practicality levers, if you want to call them, you you brought to bear. Uh, so we can sort of see some of this conceptual information in practice on, on how it may be applied to a utility organization you may have worked with in the past. Yeah, so utilities are an interesting example because 
in many cases, there's not a whole lot of choice, you know, in, in a lot of other industries, the customers have so many different choices and to deliver a great customer experience could be a differentiator um, for your brand and, and those industries, you know, and help you retain or attract more customers <clears throat> in the utility space. That's not really a question. So historically, there hasn't been a ton of focus on the customer in the utility space. And that's definitely changing as time goes on because there are other reasons to impact the customer experience and to care about what the customer experience is and how we can improve it. So um, there's a lot of customer satisfaction research going on in that space. Just to understand the various components of the experience from starting service or you know transferring your service um, down to bill payment and outage interactions that, that may happen. Um, and then, you know, g- getting that sort of feedback about how those things are perceived and also what the ideal state looks like, what customers are looking for, and how can we eliminate some of the pain points they have related to starting service or reporting an outage and so on. Um, at the same time, a lot of those initiatives are based in internal cost savings. How can the company innovate um, to ultimately save money and uh, meet the customer's needs um, the best? Yeah, and I'd like to add on, you know, know, Rebecca talked about the fact that a lot of utilities are lack of choice, but there is demand from the consumer for utilities to meet their needs in other areas, for example, climate change, right? So there is a desire to make sure that the energy I'm receiving is clean and they're looking to their utility to meet those needs and demands. Uh, We see clients doing a lot of work in energy efficiency. Uh, They're looking at electric vehicles now as an alternative fuel source. So those are things that consumers are demanding and utilities need to make sure that they can assure their customers that they are trying to meet their expectations in this way. So there's another opportunity to do customer research to find out what the needs and expectations are of their various constituents. Yeah, and that's exactly right. There's a lot of focus on that lately. And, you know, understanding what the interests are and the adoption um, barriers are and whatnot, and also identifying sort of the portion of your customer base that, that cares about those things versus those who are, you know, bottom line oriented. And so it's really also about kind of understanding the different segments of your customer base. Yeah, so we see a, a stronger interest or need for research around solar energy, electric vehicles, uh, smart meters. Those are the types of things that you see percolating up now in the industry. Yeah, there, there's no doubt that you know, utilities, along with every other organization and vertical out there, are benchmarked against the best customer experience organizations out there. So there's been a, a dramatic shift in the last number of years to have every, you know, service industry organization up their game in terms of customer experience. Now, yeah, do you... Ha- point, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. But to, um, to Mike's point, I think, too, that um, the we're asking... Customers are asking utilities to up their game because other industries are as well. And the expectations have just, the bar has been raised. Um, so it's it's no longer just acceptable for a lot of things to stay status quo. 
let me ask you something. Do you have a specific example of, of something you've done with the utility that, that has employed your services and, and brought everything that we've just sort of talked about to bear in a real world example? Yeah, we have so many examples. Um, a couple, you know, off the top of my head, um, we did some qualitative work to understand the, um, the bill, the monthly bill and the statement that is received and how well um, people understand it and where there might be opportunity to enhance it. Um, basically, you know, making sure that your customers are in a position to understand, you know, that communication. It's something they receive from you every month. Um, so we did some work to understand that in, in support of ultimately a new build design um, that was launched earlier this year. Uh, a second example I would bring up is, again, what Michael was saying. Um, electric vehicles are really super, you know, hot right now. It's a big discussion and it's just starting really to take hold in our area. And um, there's just a lot of interest in understanding what customers think about them and their likelihood to adopt, why they want to adopt um, electric vehicle, what their current maybe misperceptions are um, about certain aspects of, you know, driving electric vehicle versus, um, you know, not. And just all those different factors and how can the utility support that adoption in the long run? Right, right. So your first example mentioned residential customers and, and the residential bill that we all receive in the mail or hopefully online via e-bill these days. Can you also help organizations understand the other segments they work with, such as small or medium-sized businesses? Because I, I know from a utility space, we have residential customers, we have commercial customers, and obviously, I, not obviously, I'm, I guess I'm asking, would you employ different methods or tactics to sort of understand those different customer segments or would you essentially, uh, you know, employ the same uh, methods uh, across the board? You know, it comes back to that question, what's the purpose of the research? And um, is their experience different? How does their experience differ? So if the, the business customers of a utility um, have a different protocol that they follow, a different call center or customer service model that they use, you know, you adapt it to meet what their experience, you know, to measure their experience appropriately. We find that in the utility space, small, medium-sized businesses tend to um, funnel through the same procedures that residential customers do. It's usually when they get into those larger accounts um, that they kind of have a separate service model. And so, yes, we would absolutely tailor the research based on um, the audience and their experiences and what we're looking to achieve. Um, and, you know, with in many cases, your residential customer base is so much bigger than your business customer base, um, just in terms of the number of, of people um, versus the, the number of businesses. So you have to make some changes there simply just to make sure you're reaching, you know, everybody and you're getting a representative you know, sample right. and things like right. that. Yeah, but I think it's important to maintain that pulse on those largest customers. Uh, we see some utilities doing it. Uh, I don't think they oh, others are doing it as aggressively. And in our region, I, I, I you see in the media the desire for large customers to, with large complexes, to build their own microgrid or to have self-sustaining energy. You know, you saw the issue at the Atlanta airport when there was a power outage there, and the disruption it had on operations there and caused flight delays all over the country. Well, that's causing airports, I think, across the country 
and particularly here in Pittsburgh, um, to rethink their electric grid and they want to be autonomous there. So that has huge, huge implications on the utility that services them out there. So you can need to maintain a pulse on your large customers to make sure you're meeting their needs uh, in all aspects. And, you know, the, the theme of the podcast is it all comes back to customer experience, doesn't it? Regardless of what customer you are, we all crave that quality, memorable experience. Uh, and in order to sort of feel good about the service or products that we're purchasing or, or you know, taking advantage of. So let me ask you both, Michael and Rebecca, can you tell us about a time when you had an incredible customer experience? And now it could be from any, any industry. We are talking about customer experience here and we like to open up uh, the spectrum to personal interactions from a customer experience. What was memorable to you, either good or bad? And uh, you know, if it's good or bad, we like to give a shout out to those organizations who are performing and delivering that quality customer experience that we all crave. Sure, I, I can actually go first and I'm, mine is very recent. I. As everybody in my in the office knows, I'm quite the foodie, um, and I do like going out and having fine dining experiences, particularly steakhouses. And you know, I go to Chicago a lot, and I have back to back experiences with different steakhouses. Uh, most recently, I I went to a restaurant called Steak Forty Eight, and this is what I consider to be uh, exceptional customer service. And the fact that I mean, got the seating that I wanted, which was outdoor patio. Uh, had a very good server, described the menu, food was on point, uh, followed up with uh, the next day. And this is what this restaurant has done several times is they follow up with a personal phone call the next day to make sure your meal was okay. Uh, no not, not a, and plus, I did give feedback on open table where I booked the reservation with a private note to the restaurant, and they even responded to that. Unlike the last restaurant I went to when I was there back in August, which was Prime and Provisions, where I was usually my go-to steak restaurant, and I had two back-to-back -back disappointing meals. The last one was so bad where the, the steak I got was very expensive and very unedible. Uh, and you know what really bothered me the most was they put the food down and then they ghosted us. They never even came back to see how it was until it was too late. And when I finally asked for a manager and explained the situation, you know, my, the rest of my meal was finished. So I didn't even want the steak and they took it off the bill. But then I followed up with a private note to the restaurant and I never heard back. And, you know, Becca, before we get to you, I just want to comment on that. As a consumer, good or bad, you just want to be heard. And mm -hmm. uh, your first example is exemplary and your second one is is just a good example of, of what not to do. And Correct. yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, mm -hmm. Rebecca, all you. Yes, so some of my coworkers will remember this very well. Um, it was probably eight or 10 years ago at this point, um, a group of us from the office were going to a show downtown and I had purchased the tickets to this show for six or seven of us. Uh, and the day of the show, maybe like 4 p.m., I went online to print them out and they weren't there. And I realized that somehow I purchased the tickets for like three weeks before. Um, the, the, obviously the time has passed um, and we did not have tickets anymore. They were for much earlier in the, in the run. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, my, my colleagues are here. They're, we're about to leave. Like, what are we going to do? It's sold out now. So um, I called to confirm that this is what I was seeing. And 
there was really nothing they could do. The show was sold out for that evening. The show was sold out for the rest of the run, but they offered to basically give us tickets to the next show that was coming. It was not the one that we signed up for, but it was something else. Um, and they just didn't have to do that. You know, the, the money that we paid for those tickets um, had been, you know, it was lost. It was, it was theirs and that was it. The tickets didn't get used and they just, they didn't have to do that. Um, but they did. They worked with us to pick another date for a different show a couple months down the road, and we went then instead. So it wasn't quite what we wanted, um, and I felt really bad. <laughs> but at least I was able to redeem myself a little bit with my colleagues, and um, I felt really appreciative that I didn't have to to fall flat on my face with that one. Yeah, and it's all about long-term customer retention. You know, it is much easier to keep an existing customer than go out and get a new one. And taking that long-term vision to customer experience and customer satisfaction is always the way to go. Michael Everhart, Rebecca DeFazio from Schmidt Market Research, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great having you on. I really appreciate meeting you both and, and sharing your experiences with us. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. That's all for Experience Better, the CX podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please send us your questions and continue the conversation with us on Twitter or Facebook at Kubra Way. That's K-U-B-R-A-W-A-Y or on LinkedIn at Kubra. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>